Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's Wes and Walker on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Wes and Walker. I'm going to try to spell it out here. I know you usually do. W-E-S. W-E-S-A-N-D-W-A-L-K-E-R. Let's go, man. Let's get us to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, every thousand. I'm going to do something. You stole my thunder. I said I was going to spell it, and then you took over. Oh, I'm gonna, sorry. I completely. It's okay. Just when I learned. I know we've been switching back and forth. Daddy. That is. Yeah, I tried to. I wanted to showcase that I can spell at a first grade level. And then you okay. just completely stole bad, that from man. me. It's I'm okay, sorry. though. There's a lot more energy. And I don't know if I'm going to do anything at every thousand follower list. So I'm glad that you're able to make that claim. And we've made a bunch of different claims. But it does seem like we are going to follow through on that one. So, again, follow us on Twitter at Wes and Walker. Let's now go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Switch gears. Talk about the Charlotte Hornets. And welcome Kelly E of The Athletic. He hosts the Ecosystem Podcast, which is a phenomenal name for a podcast, by the way. He just recently <laughs> wrote an article on LaMelo Ball. Kelly, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Hey, thanks we're doing... Having me on. Yeah, absolutely, Kelly. We really appreciate the time. It was a great article. I, I need to ask this question first, though. At the beginning... You talk about how LaMelo is extremely competitive, something we know well here in Charlotte, but that he right. lost, apparently, to an assistant coach in knockout. I, d- I didn't see who the assistant coach was, though. So, like, next time we have an assistant coach on, I want to be able to brag about him. Do you know who the assistant coach was that LaMelo lost to? I think the, his nickname was Money, so I don't know who, who that is on the staff, but that's that's what the name he kept calling was Money. So, Sorry, so now we... Now we have an yeah. investigation to take part of. Whoever is money <laughs> on the coaching staff, that is the person who beat LaMelo Ball in knockout, and then LaMelo would win a shooting contest with him. And in that, you mentioned, Kelly, how much LaMelo loves the attention. We, we've seen we've seen it apparent here in Charlotte ever since he donned a neon yellow fluorescent trench coat, yeah. and that oh trench coat matches his Lamborghini. What's it like to be around LaMelo Ball, even when not so many cameras are on him? Does that Does that still... Does that still ring true? All the attention that is surrounding him. Yeah, Lamelo is a large. Is someone who who's captivating. He's larger than life. He's someone who, the minute he walks into a room, the energy immediately gravitates towards him, and and you kind of see why his teammates, his coaches, they love him so much because <clears throat> he's just full of life. And you know, you would think that a team like Charlotte that has gone through so much this season, you know, you would think the energy would be pretty low. Guys, we feeling down on themselves, but Lamelo, you would you would never know that the Hornets have that record that they do. You know, just being around him and experiencing who he is. So, uh, it's it's a good thing to have as a young player to have the optimism that 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 outlook of life, and it, it, it bodes well for his future and the Hornets as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Kelly West Bryant here. I was just going to say everything you said, him taking it in stride. Just was this a big indicator to you? Did you get the sense that this is a guy that wants to be uh, in Charlotte? Because so many say that, oh, he wants to go back to L.A. or be in a bigger market or things like that. But do you get the sense that he's comfortable and content here? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think the biggest reason for that is the bond with Steve Clifford. You know, Steve is a guy that's been there and done that. You know, he's seen every kind of player you can imagine. And 
I talked to him about about Lamelo, and the minute I brought up his name, his eyes lit up because he he understands the bond with him and, and, and his star point guard, and how important that connection is as an extension of the coach on the floor. And you know, Steve talked about how Lamelo's gotten better in every season he's been, you know, at at, at the point guard position, and how he's gotten a better, become a better playmaker, become a better, you know, smarter player overall, better score, a better defender. And just having that young guy, even at 21 years old, who's still hard to believe he's only 21 years old. He's only been big for three seasons, but he has so much ahead of him. And I think Lamelo, he wants to stay in Charlotte, wants to win in Charlotte. You know, you know it's just going to take some time to to get out of this world that you guys are in right now. Now, also too, the one thing I brought up on this station, and one thing that we've talked about is just. Even though he is young, I've often sometimes wondered about just that competitive fire to to get on his teammates and demand accountability right. from them, even if it gets right. a little bit contentious. And I know at the time period you were there, he's hurt, so maybe you didn't get to see a lot of that. But did you get a, a gist from anyone of just how he is in that department? Yeah, so I, I was able to talk to Terry Rozier, was able to kind of pick up on that, and just talking about, his bond with LaMelo and how competitive he is, how he pushes other guys to compete as well. It could be anything. You know, he's someone who wants to win at everything he puts his mind to. And for a young player, for a young point guard especially, as a leader of a team, you want to have your main guy be someone who can push everyone else to reach their capacity because, you know, it's clear that the team will go as far as LaMelo can take them, right? So if he's consistently pushing those barriers and consistently testing those limits, the other guys will follow suit. And and from a culture standpoint, if you have someone like that, that guys can fall behind, there's no telling what a, a team like Charlotte can do, especially if they have the benefit of time on their hands, they have, you know, they have the someone to look forward to, guys, you know, things to add to the team and continue to develop and get better. You know, having a guy in LaMelo that bleeds the desire, bleeds competition, you know, 24-7 is exactly how you want it to, to work through things. Kelly Eco joining us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline just recently wrote an article about LaMelo Ball. Kelly, what is something you learned about LaMelo that you maybe didn't expect upon meeting him? I think one thing I learned is that, you know, he's someone who's straight to the point. You know, being around NBA players, we've all seen, you know, guys that can give like, you know, coach speak or player speak quotes and people that just say things to get by to either to finish the session or finish an availability. But LaMelo, he struck me as someone that was honest. He struck me as someone that was down to earth and actually wanted to get his points across, you know, in, in an articulate manner. And that was very impressive to see, especially because, you know, the Hornets have, have struggled this season. And, and, and as I said before, you would think that because of those struggles and because of the losing, you know, everyone could be in a bad mood. Because we've seen rebuilds where, frustration peaks in the locker room we've seen for you know times where people are not in the best spirits or best of moods but Lamelo struck me as somebody who is down to earth he's humble and he understands the goals ahead of him and how he has to reach those goals so it was very impressive well and kelly i mean something you mentioned in your piece is actually stumbling into an accidental rebuild might be a blessing in disguise why do you think that when you evaluate the charlotte hornets roster as is i think it's a blessing in disguise because, you know, for example, the Rockets, you know, they were kind of forced to this thing, you know, with James Harden, you know, asking out and them 
being caught unawares and not having to, to go through a three or four year process just to get back to, you know, sea level. Now the Hornets are different because for the last two seasons they were in the playing tournament, you know, but due to injuries, due to the whole situation with, you know, Miles Bridges, this team was turned upside down. You know, it, it's hard for a coaching staff to put together a roster if guys are missing 20, 30, you know, 15 games in the season at the halfway point, you know. So now seeing as you guys are, you know, what, 11 and 12 and 35, something like that, it, it, it's easier to, to, to see the future because you know that if you get some of these guys back from injury, you know, you still have the future to look forward to. You, got, you have guys coming off the books and free agency. You, you have some more cash space you have, the entries, you know, you, you and he's playing LaMelo Ball as an attractive piece that's going to attract guys to come and play with him and play, you know, on that team and play for Steve Clifford. So um, even though they kind of had an accidental reboot because this could have been predicted coming off of a back-to-back playing, you know, you know, just end the season. But, you know, NBA is, is unpredictable. You know, stuff happens on a day-to-day basis. And now that you've seen where the Hornets are, it's easy to see how they can get out of it because of the presence of LaMelo Ball, because of the presence of a Steve Clifford, and because of the, the, the beauty of time and, and, and the unknown. Hey, Kelly, when you talk about the the relationship between those two with him and Clifford and the quote that you had in there with what he said, that they watch film together and how glad he is he's here and stuff, is this an indication that, you know, Clifford will be here because LaMelo wants him here, but also that Coach Clifford wants to be here, even though he said he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild, but that he actually wants to be here because of LaMelo and will stay here to try to see this thing through. Right. So I think as it pertains to LaMelo and Steve, I think it's a two-way street. Uh, I think it's a, it's a relationship that one party benefits the other in, in an equal manner. And Steve understands that he, he can already see what LaMelo can become in this league. And it's a situation where this is not a normal rebuild where you're trying to see if you can snag something in the draft and build around that. You already have the all-star in LaMelo. You already have the star guard in LaMelo at the most important position in the game, you know, point guard. Now all you have to do is build around that. And they have, some quality pieces already on the roster. It's just going to take some more tinkering and some more, you know, striking in the free agency, you know, pulling off a trade or two to kind of build that roster back to how they were when they were sixth in the East, you know, competing in the playoffs, stuff like that. So I think that Steve, even even if he doesn't want to be part of a long rebuild, he doesn't necessarily have to be because, you know, LaMelo is, is that good already and, they know kind of what they have to do to get back to those winning ways, if that makes sense. And then on another note, when you talk about LaMelo and the the building of him body-wise, we know that he doesn't get to the line a ton, and maybe he doesn't like going to the line a lot because, you know, maybe that that man body isn't there yet. He doesn't like that contact. Just speculating here, did you see anything this as far as, like, you know, how he eats and stuff like that? Like, is he trying to, you know, pack that weight on and and try to get that man body up sooner than later? Is what we're saying. <laughs> no, oh, not that. But I know the one thing I did see was that in the locker room, he's somebody who, you know, he wants to, to understand what the next the next step is with the guys, right? Trying to see, you know, okay, 
if we have a game on Tuesday, the next game is on Thursday. How are we going to win that game? How are we going to get to the next game? How are we going to get to the next game? Stuff like that. So less of the eating stuff and more of the, mm-hmm. you know, on court, you know, trying to get better as, as a unit. Kelly, last thing before we get you out of here, we know about Steven Silas well. I mean, Paul Silas, right. who just recently passed away, was a beloved figure, is still a beloved figure here in the city of Charlotte. We know Silas from his time being an assistant coach with the Charlotte Hornets. What have you made of his tenure coaching the Houston Rockets? Because it, it's gone wrong. We know that this has been a team that has been trying to rebuild for a few years now, ever since they did the whole trade James Harden thing. Is this something where he's been kind of set up for failure? How would you just assess the overall job? I think it's a situation where, yes, there's a lot of frustration on all sides, but it's something where everyone knows what the future is. And like, this was always going to be, I guess, a three year, a three year um, path, you know, just rebuild or something, if you want to call it that. Steven's been dealt, you know, a bad hand, honestly, you know, with him coming into the team, he thought it was going to be full of veterans uh, with James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook. And it turned into, you know, a bunch of teenagers. And, and, and for three seasons, he's tried to, Make the best of it. Now, granted, he could have done some some things, some things um, differently. The players could have done something differently. I think it's fault on both sides. But um, I think the the biggest goal for this guy is to finish, finish the season and and then see where things are. Um, this is something where you understand that Steven's one of the, the smartest minds in basketball. Um, but it's it's a, it's a hard task to to, to get a bunch of young guys to, to play winning basketball on a consistent basis. It's just incredibly hard this league, especially if you don't have a lot of guys around them to, to, to be like a mentor and a vet, the veteran presence that's, that's, that's needed at this level. Um, but yeah, it has been a tough time for Steven, honestly. Um, last night's game, I think it was the most frustrated I've ever seen him at a, at a post game availability. He was just, he was just livid because, you know, again, the Rockets had a big lead and they blew it um, to a team at home that should be beating the Wizards. Um, so, yeah, it has, been, it has been a rough go. Um, but I think, you know, all parties can see kind of the light at the end of the tunnel, and that's what's kind of getting them through this season. That's Kelly Eco joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, part of The Athletic. You can find him also on his podcast, The Ecosystem, and his Twitter handle is Kelly Eco. I-K-O is how you spell the last name. Kelly, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate it. Great work. Thanks, Kelly. Yes, thank you. That article's awesome, by the way. Go check it out. The relationship between LaMelo and Steve Clifford. Just real quickly before we go to break. That's big stuff, man. I mean, especially when that was such a big part of Steve Clifford's worries when you hired him. It was all about how that relationship was going to be between your star player, clearly the franchise and LaMelo, and whatever head coach was going to come aboard, whether that be Mike D'Antoni, it's why we liked it because he's kind of a point guard whisperer, whether it be one of these established head coaches because you wanted them to come in with cred like a Terry Stotts or just any of those types of guys. And then you bring in Clifford. That was a real worry. Eyes lit up is what Eco said. It's great stuff, and it's great to hear if you're a Hornets fan. Yeah, and I think, too, you get the sense from the article, at least the sense that I got, is that he is a guy that is very content with being here. He's down for the process, and I think that's tremendous for a lot of fans who worry uh, that he may leave for greener pastures. I want to talk about that more later on because that's interesting, man. We always try to 
we always try to bring LaMelo out of Charlotte. Everybody's so worried, even in the city. And I get it. He's the best thing to happen to the franchise and you know, God knows when. Yeah. Since they got the franchise back, to be honest. And even then, it was not a pretty record that was coming with the Bobcats, then even transitioning to the Hornets. So we'll discuss a little bit more about LaMelo a little later on in the show. Of course, Fire or Fizzle is going to be coming at you at 145. It's going to be biblical. Yeah. <laughs> but coming up next, let's discuss some of the other coaching rumors around the NFL and even how it pertains to the Carolina Panthers. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Folks, I promise you're not in the jungle. That's a little bit of Sean Price. God rest his soul. One of the great MCs taken way too early. Rocky, you know about uh, Sean Price? Not as much. Click? Mm-mm. Not as much. You're talking about lyrics. He was Sounds like nasty. my kind of beat, though. My love for animals. This is right in my alley. Hip-hop, animals, jungle, <laughs> all of it mixed together. That's excellent. But anyway, welcome back to the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 FM, WFNZ. Jumping right back into the coaching deal. And I saw an interesting rumor this morning. They're talking about Eric Bieniemy may be looking for, I guess you can't say it's greener pastures because how much greener can you get than Patrick Mahomes and all the great things that he has there. But they say he may be looking for another OC job if he doesn't get the Colts head coaching job. And an interesting list that came out with the teams that could be in the mix for him, the Washington Commanders, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who you guys know and love, and <laughs> the Carolina Panthers were on the list. So if Frank Reich was to be named head coach, or Steve Wilkes, and they were somehow able to go out and get a cat like Eric Bieniemy. For one, I'll ask, would you love this? And two, are you lumping him in with the coach that this is Andy Reid's doing? He's just a small part because the numbers are sterling. When you look at his offenses, when you go back to 2018, first in points, First in yards, 2019, sixth in yards, fifth in points, 2020, third in yards, or third, yeah, third in yards, sixth in points, 2021, a little bit of a down year, if you could say that, 11th in yards, fifth in points, and then this season, oh, I'm sorry, I'm way out, third in yards, uh, fourth in points in 2021, and then when you backtrack 2020, he was first and sixth, 2019, sixth and fifth, 2018, first and first, and this year, first and first. So I'm sorry about that uh, discrepancy right there. So how would you feel about that, Walker? And are you giving him credit due for putting up such big-time numbers? Yes, absolutely. I'm giving Eric Bieniemy credit. I gave Doug Peterson credit when he was in the Chiefs system. I gave Matt Nagy credit when he was in the Chiefs system. And both of those guys got head, co- head coaching jobs. So for me, I, anytime you talk about the amount of talent around a certain coach, and then we use that almost as a criticism, you almost, if you if you do a great job with such a talented roster, then that is held against you more than it is held in favor of you, even if you perform at the highest level. That happens to a lot of different coordinators. But Peterson and Nagy, they did get jobs. Mm-hmm. Peterson showed a lot more sustainability, having won a Super Bowl with Philadelphia. We know what he did with Jacksonville, winning a playoff game. I really like Peterson as a head coach. I thought Nagy had a decent offensive system. 
I thought getting away from Mitchell Trubisky's athleticism was his undoing. I thought that was a, a really bad mistake, and eventually that's what led him to not get the job and keep that job furthermore. But Biennemi in the numbers, it's not – I mean, yeah, it's it's ridiculous what he's a part of. And Andy Reid has talked about how Biennemi calls plays too. Like he has his fingerprints all over the offense as well and all of the scheme and the stuff that they work with. Biennemi with the football mind stuff deserves some of this. I think where Biennemi differs is when you talk about the past, long time ago, but troubling, right? I mean, you're talking about a certain number of things that he had been a part of, whether it be, you know, uh, being a part of the recruiting violations at Colorado, where there was, quote, the violations including using alcohol and sex to lure recruits. That was something ESPN reported in 04, and that the university discovered there was evidence of drugs and alcohol being used to entice recruits, but no university officials were guilty of that misconduct. So he kind of was a part of that. And then in 1993, we know that Biennemi allegedly grabbed a female parking attendant by the neck, threatened her. That was in 1993 and Colorado banned the enemy from its campus for one year as a result. So some troubling past there with Eric B Now, if we want to talk about the benefit of the doubt that some coaching candidates are afforded and Eric B was not, that's a conversation I'm here for, right? Because when Jacksonville was looking for their coaching job, they went and hired urban Meyer who had all sorts of scandalous things go on in his coaching career. And yes, won a championship at the college level, but also had all of the scandalous stuff. And then when you talk about domestic violence, you're talking about him having hid that within his Ohio State program and not coming forth with it. And that's how he lost the job in the first place. So I'm here to talk about not having the benefit of the doubt towards Eric B. Enemy and how that's a real problem. But that's the only thing I can think of, right? Because the numbers are fantastic. He is a part of calling plays with that Kansas City system. He is a part of how they have benefited under Andy Reid. And I think... It would be an excellent guy to have on a staff just as far as the football acumen is concerned, if that's what you're focused on. No question about it. I think it would be very interesting to see, you know, what he could do outside of Patrick Mahomes, uh, just to see what he could bring to a team like the Panthers, especially working with a young quarterback, because we see all of the wild formations we saw just a couple of weeks ago. They're spinning like the four tops coming out of the huddle and then they line up and run a trick play. They have all types of bells and whistles in that Kansas City offense and they do things that some people feel like are just downright arrogant because they can and they have the personnel to do it and they execute it well. I mean, we see all types of things out of this Kansas City offense and I think that in my opinion, that's the optimum of what I feel like Panther fans would want to see. When you talk about going into the new age of the NFL, being dynamic offensively, giving keeping teams on their toes, I think that Kansas City and what it is that they do, I think that's the optimum of what you would want to see. I mean, you talk about night and day. You talk about the Panthers who are line up, run it down your throat team organization. We talked about it. Defensive coaches, most defensive coaches are conservative by nature. So then you talk about bringing in a guy on an offense that's going to be a complete 180 from what this organization has been about. Now, with Cam, you did see some tricky stuff. You did see some things that were uh, a bit out of the ordinary at times oh, as well. Oh, people hated Mike Shula, though. Oh, no, yeah. You're right, but but people – Chudzinski was the guy that was almost too cute – we loved him for a second and then ran out of town. <laughs> yeah. People couldn't stand it. And then Shula was hated for sure, but had the number one offense in Cam Super Bowl year. Yeah, so you would see that. But, uh, I mean, Fiddy, what do you think as a uh, – you strike me as a traditionalist in everything that you do out of the Bible of Roy Williams. <laughs> what would you think about a Eric Bieniemy offense where guys are spinning 
like the temptations coming out of the mm. huddle and then running a trick play. Okay. I think I think if he came here and he put up even if it was a top ten offense with you know Sam Darnold or a rookie quarterback and limited weapons outside of what he's had at his disposal during his time in Kansas City, I think it'd be really hard to then really n- not be willing to let this guy you know be a head coach because I, I think. As much as he has issues off the field, I do think Andy Reid is the biggest reason why that offense has been what it's been during its time in Kansas City. Because Andy yeah, Reid, I think, is the one that 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 does draw up the scheme, and then Bienemy just calls the plays and stuff like that. But if he came here with the maligned Sam Darnold and you know limited options and still put up a a top ten offense, I'd be willing to change my mind. I just I I I just don't know. I just don't know if it's smart for him to leave Kansas City. Wow. Because if it leaves Kansas City and it goes wrong and he doesn't put up offensive numbers, what does that do for his future of trying to be a head coach where he could just stay in Kansas City? Andy Reid's getting up there in age and maybe oh, Andy just gives him the job whenever he's, you know, retired and wants to go eat cheeseburgers every day. Oh, man, but it's already exhausted, though, now. I mean, if, if you haven't gotten a head coaching job at this point, then you're just not going to in the Kansas City system. Okay. If you feel like there's an opportunity for you by showcasing what you're worth with your football acumen with a different franchise and people don't hold the same excuse you just did, and I understand, right? Like, Andy Reid is known as maybe the best offensive genius of all time alongside of Bill Walsh, who instituted the West Coast system. But Andy Reid is up here. Mike Martz. And we're talking, of course, Mm -hmm. Mike Martz is there as well. But when you're talking about Andy Reid having wild success with Philadelphia, at least this whole Super Bowl thing for sure, that got in his way. But man, five straight AFC championship games. I I get being hesitant with Andy Reid. But it's not like we haven't seen success from the Reed coaching tree before. And don't you want the conduit wealth of knowledge that is from Reed into somebody else? And that was the way of thinking when teams hired Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson. And by the way, Peterson has worked, right? Like Doug Peterson has worked out as a coach. The only reason that he was ran out of Philadelphia is because you had the message from the higher ups to tank. And you had the whole quarterback controversy at the very end of that season when he was there, where I think you're like switching Jalen Hurts out for whatever. So he's ran out of town. He also started Nate Sudfield on Sunday Night Football. But that, that's the thing, right? That's Thank you. That's what I was trying to make sense of. But that was the thing, right? Then you lose the locker room. They feel like you're not trying to win. But man, that's higher up messaging. So then he goes to Jacksonville, takes over a complete dumpster fire. I mean, it is world-class disaster what Urban Meyer brought to that team, and he gets them to the postseason after uh, not a, the greatest start in the world. Like, they started 2-1 and one and then suffered, came back. Yeah, I. if we're talking about what Eric Bieniemy could bring to a team based off of what his wealth of football knowledge consists of, hell yeah, man, sign me up, because I would absolutely welcome that. Yeah, I think that would be a fantastic hire. So now... The guy that I thought was going to get the job, I thought the godfather offer would come and he would accept Sean Payton. It looks like he's not going anywhere but back to the TV screen. So let's play the sound, Fitty, from uh, Ian Rappaport talking about what Sean Payton is about to do. Yeah, this is interesting, Andrew, because when this all started, the assumption was as soon as Sean Payton decides where he's going to go, then everyone else will know where they're going to go, and then the coaching searches will resume from there. It's now reached a different point, and if you go through the different places that Sean Payton has has interviewed, it does not seem like a second interview is coming with any of those places. First of all, the Carolina Panthers where where he already interviewed have Frank Reich, 
uh, and Steve Wilkes, along with Kellen Moore, in for second-slash-first interviews there. That seems to be the list as of now. You have the Denver Broncos, who seem to be focusing their attention elsewhere. Not saying he's out, but they do seem to be focusing elsewhere. You have the Houston Texans, who have not yet requested a second interview with Sean Payton. And then he's going to the Arizona Cardinals for a first interview. That is going to be tomorrow, assuming they get through the Dan Quinn interview and make no moves today. So what am I saying, Mike Garofolo? I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Payton. We'll see, but it does not seem like there is a place in the coaching world right now. All right, so we heard that bite right there. Sean Payton is not going to take a job, it seems like. But do you feel like that this is an indictment on the Panthers' job that he didn't see enough here to uh, you know, even consider? Because I feel like if he really wanted the job – I think it would be a strong chance that he would get it. So what say you? I don't think it's an indictment on the organization at all, because I think what you're hearing in NFL circles right now is the fact that nobody's bringing him in for a second interview. If you ask that about Carolina, and there are plenty of problems with this organization, especially under David Tepper since he's taken over. But if you ask those problems about Carolina, you have to ask him about Denver. You have to ask him about Houston, which clearly they exist there as well or any team that Sean Payton has interviewed for. And we've heard from, I think, Albert Breer, maybe Benjamin Albright, I think, is actually the guy who tweeted this out. But he's losing steam as a potential head coaching candidate. You know, that that shine has worn off as the interview process has gone on. And so if, if Sean Payton is starting to wear thin with all the other franchises, then Carolina is included in that, as well as if there's going to be an NFC South tax. I don't want to pay the initial tax. I don't want to pay any tax that it is giving up assets to get them anyway, let alone something more because you're in the same division. So I don't think this is an indictment at all with Carolina. I'd much rather have Steve Wilkes and my two first round picks if that was the cost. I'd much rather have Frank Reich and my two first round picks if that's what it costs, especially if you're not bidding with anyone, right? Like that's the whole reason to trade. That's the whole reason to try to outbid some of these other teams is if they are interested. But that's how you make stupid trades is if you're trying to give up assets when nobody else is going to give them anything close to what the asking price is. So, no, it's not an indictment at all. In fact, it might even be smart if we're talking about Carolina not giving in to the notion of just saying, hey, we'll throw everything at you to have Sean Payton be the coach. Yeah, and I think also the trade was so high. I think the salary demand was so high. We talked about that before. And I think that uh, for him – I feel like maybe there was a little bit of him just putting it out there to see what he could get as well. Like sure. I know he did interviews and stuff, but him to say, hey, I want 20 to 25. And I don't think maybe he thought that he would get that, but I think if he did get it, he probably would have ended up accepting a job. So, I mean, you know, that's wild. I thought for sure somebody was going to go out and get him. And I think he may still be waiting on that Chargers job if it comes open, but we'll see. But for right now, we're going to see City Flash Let's go to it. What you got, dog? All right, guys. Uh, last night in the world of college basketball, the focus was on the Xavier-UConn game, a, a, a great game in the Big East where the Musketeers got their most impressive win on the road uh, so far this season. But that's not the highlight. That's not what I want to talk to you about here. I've got some audio I want to play you from a Uber driver. <laughs> Crashing a Duquesne basketball game. Here is the Duquesne Radio Network breaking down all the action. We'll let it go into the bench, and Loyola would take over 10 minutes before we get a stoppage. And we've got an official's timeout. 
Somebody came on the floor on the far side. Looking for an Uber Eats delivery or something there is carrying some McDonald's. I'm actually not kidding. No, I, no, I this think, is the I truth. I think that's what's happening. This guy's in the corner. Looked like he maybe, was he going to deliver the the McDonald's to somebody on the court? Can we rule that out? He's. A, <laughs> I mean, I think that's an Uber Eats sticker. Is that I, what that is? <laughs> I'm trying to get confirmation. Uh, Uber yeah. Eats, yes. Maybe I'll put my hand up. I'm getting a little hungry. You can bring it over here. So we saw the stoppage. The, the man was usher. Let's see if we can see this. No, this is going to be the turnover in the there corner. He is. There, right, there, there he is. There he is. There he is. Yay, yay. So this a, guy is actually, who's he delivering it to? The ref. The, the, the ref official? said later. Give it to me later. Not I mean, now. Philip Alston's done a lot. I didn't think he needed a Big Mac for sustenance in the middle of the game. I know, but I'm not, well, the official out there, Tim, he, he distanced him like, I didn't say now. Later. <laughs> Let's go around the room. What do you think this official had ordered to be delivered while he was refereeing the Duquesne basketball game last night? Officials probably like it classic. So I do think the Big Mac meal was probably it, especially if you're on the court and you don't have a whole lot of time to gauge the menu and say, all right, I'm going to try to mix and max, match some things on the dollar menu. Now, nah, just give me number one. Give me the fries. Just give me the combo. Big Mac is what the officials would have ordered in that scenario. Yeah, I think as an adult, you know McDonald's menu enough to know exactly what it is that you want. But, man, that was insane. And I would have loved to have heard Walker during the game and that happened to hear what his call would have been. So let's set it up. I'm going to be on the Queens broadcast tonight. Okay. going to be the color analyst there. So if you guys wanted to, you could you could put in some kind of DoorDash or Uber Eats delivery, and then we could see what I would do in that scenario over there at the Levine Center. Can you see if Coach Grant Leonard can DoorDash us, maybe Uber Eats us some uh, Queens swag? <laughs> you really want this swag. I like it. I want you to rep some Queens, but I, I got to tell you, I don't have any swag. I mean, tell them they are – they have – Royal Tees on the Wes and Walker show. You really dug deep for that. I mm -hmm. wish people could have seen you. <laughs> you you really got into it. You had the hand gestures. The court jester speaks again. That's what Fiddy is right now. All right. The court jester has spoken. Dance. Puppets dance. Amuse me. But when we come back, an epic biblical fire or fizzle is the Wes and Walker show on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can text in the Garage Door Guru text line 704-570-9610. The man has called it a biblical experience a couple of times now. He's been gassing us up for everybody's favorite segment, a staple, a part of Wesson Walker, Fire or Fizzle. It's coming up right now, and we'll dive right on in. It's superhero movies is what we're going to be discussing here. And this is something where we've already done superheroes before. I don't think we've done superhero movies, though. We know that you and Fiddy, both huge fans of this category, and so we're about to drop in. Fiddy's mad at me for saying that, or are you excited about that? Oh, no, I was just... I mean, he's called this biblical. Yeah, yeah. This better live up to the hype, or we got to renounce your reverence status. And he threw some profanity laced comments in there towards you saying that I don't make promises that I can't deliver on. And so we're about to find out right now. Superhero movie number one. 
it's actually going to be Superman number two. Now, it's a weird one to start off with. I don't know why. Why are we starting off with Superman two? First of all, I don't ever disrespect Superman two and call it weird. So let's get it started. I'm on fire already. I don't need you to say anything else, okay? <laughs> Superman two made it in 1980. I wasn't even around yet, but when I was around to be able to see it, let me tell you, when I had HBO Max briefly, I watched this movie about three to four times. General Zod and his crew banished from Krypton. Superman had to come and fight not one, not two, but three villains. General Zod may be the greatest villain of all time. So many quotables that he had in that movie. Makes me laugh. And Christopher Reeves, let me tell you what this man meant to me. When I found out he was shooting a movie in Savannah, Georgia, I wrote this man to let him put my Superman belt buckle in that thing to let him know it was real. It's amazing. Nerd. So you already know what's coming. When it comes to Superman 2, it's straight. Fire! Kneel before Zod, you imbecile! And with Superman waves at the end of the movie, I still wave because I think he's waving at me! Fitty, you had a problem when he said General Zod might be the best villain of all time. Yes, because that's easily Heath Ledger's Joker in the Dark Knight. I said might be. And you're not familiar. Have you seen Superman 2? Yes. I have not. Okay, seen well, Superman yeah, he too. might be. I don't think he is, but he might. Walker, He's are you familiar with Superman's backstory, who he is as a superhero? Yes, okay. I am. I, I am understanding of all of that. All right, next one up Black Panther, Fire Fizzle West. Listen, when you talk about the death of his father, T'Challa came home to the African nation of Wakanda <laughs> to take his rightful place as king okay but then killmonger michael b jordan the dude that had your girl staring and drooling at the camera you had to say baby what you doing yeah we can't watch it tremendous fight but at the end of the day t'challa retook his place at the top of wakanda when the man lands it doesn't make a sound okay and the movie ushered in the biggest black superhero movie of all time. So when you're talking about Black Panther, R.I.P. God rest his soul for Chadwick Boseman. What else would it be, folks? It's straight fire for the Black Panther Wakanda forever! <laughs> we go from Superman 2 to Black Panther to a movie I've never seen. No, wait. I've never heard of. Me neither. Black Adam is the <laughs> next one. The list. Look, Wes is delivering on all fronts. The list is a little bouncy to me. I have no clue where we're going on this list. But Black Adam, I've never heard of the movie. Tell me if I should watch it by deeming it fire or fizzle, Mr. Westbrook. Listen, we talk about The Rock. We know the superstar that he is the electrifying one. What do you think about The Rock, Walker? Well, let me it see, doesn't you. matter what you think about The Walk, about The Rock, Jabroni. That's where we at with it today. The story is an ancient superhuman released from magic imprisonment by a group of archaeologists to free the nation of Kondok. I don't know if I said that right. From the crime syndicate. I went to see this movie a couple of weeks ago. I was excited about it. You don't know where I'm going right now, but I know where I'm going. Black Adam is straight. 
fizzle. I didn't like it at all. Add it to the Take pile of Rock's trash. Yeah, I, if you said it was starring The Rock, and I know we've talked about him before, <laughs> not being all that, and so, yeah. It was a great delivery, but at the end, I figured it was going to be fizzle. A couple more left on the list. This one makes a lot more sense. Should have let off the list, in my opinion, but it's not my topic. The Dark Knight. Mentioned it once already with having possibly the best villain of all time, Heath Ledger as the Joker. Mm-hmm. Wes, you tell me, fire or fizzle. Listen, in 2008, a classic hit this planet. You heard about the, the hype. You heard about all the gas that it got. People started coming around. I had to wait for my man. We went to see it at the old IMAX, the bubble. That's where I first saw it at, at Discovery Place. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh. I went into this movie with tremendous expectations after what I'd heard. And when I saw it, there were points in the movie where I tapped my dog and I said, what is the Joker going to do next? Because it was plain and simple, simple plot. The Joker was wreaking havoc on Gotham City. And Batman had to save the day. But this just wasn't an ordinary Joker. We're talking machine guns. He's spraying it. Trucks getting flipped over. I mean, it was so much chaos. Blew up a hospital. He introduced a little chaos as he said to Two-Face as he laid in the bed that was also in the movie. This movie is a classic of classics. Okay? Cream of the crop. Whatever phrase you want to use for it. And when we talk about the Dark Knight, God rest his soul to Heath Ledger, Christian Bale doing his thing. It is straight fire, my favorite movie of all time. Not just superhero, movie. I think there's an argument to be made that it belongs in tier one of best movies of all time, superhero category or not. And it's amazing that they were able to follow that up with another fire movie. Not better, but another fire movie, especially with Bane, also a great villain. Excellent series. I know a lot of people like Batman Begins. The final two, though, just absolute fire. We're all in agreement here. You love it. Oh, yeah. That was, a, that was a hell of a sound. Okay, all right. Well, let's move on so you don't get hot and bothered. Last one. I'm always hot and bothered. Uh, and I think you're going to be, especially with this last one, final one here, Avengers Endgame. I think the whole building is going to blow up after this. But go ahead. Let's tell me, Wes. Listen. When I tell you, this movie right here, I watched the trailer for it so many times, I can't <laughs> even count. It's amazing. I got hype. I got chills just watching the damn trailer. When you talk about the culmination of all the Marvel movies in phase one, you talk about Thanos that would give soul-snatching speeches before he gave you that word. Nobody could deal with this man before he got the glove. Then once he got the Infinity Gauntlet and put those stones in it, it was a wrap. The planet was a wrap. 50% to be exact. But no, the Avengers were not going to fail this time around and end game they were going to bring back all their family and friends and compadres that went away with the snap of the finger an epic battle greatest movie experience i've ever had people were cheering like it was a football game at multiple scenes when the hammer moved you remember that when he when captain america started giving thanos to work with the hammer you remember that you remember when he said cap i'm on your left And then my man came through flying. And when T'Challa came back out of the portal. And when Spider-Man flipped. And when everybody was coming back. Giant Ant-Man came out of the ground. I mean, people were just cheering. You just couldn't believe it. And then that moment came. 
when Captain America saw that he had the backup that he so longed for to defeat Thanos and the crew, him and Thor. And how can we forget Iron Man, who tragically passed away in this film? Folks, I'm giving this a long intro because it deserves every minute of it. And that moment when Captain America caught that hammer, I mean, I had to pause just for epic <laughs> effect right there. When you talk about what did he say when he got this? When he got that hammer, he said, for one, for starters, he said it was straight. Fire! And then he said, Avengers, assemble, and everybody cheered as if the Panthers had just won a Super Bowl. Unbelievable. I'm done. Cut that music off. They don't call it rapid fire, Fizzle. By any stretch of the imagination. But that's the done segment of Fire Fizzle Superhero Movies. We'll take a quick break. We've got one more hour to go. Sports Radio 92.7 W Fire FNZ. (laughs) 